Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, you health renaissance people. Okay, today, um, this is, it's kind of exciting. When you look at how the body works, uh, I mean, I just had a conversation with one of our patients, and he was questioning me about type 2 diabetes. Now, this is 95% of all diabetics. And if you know anything about type 2 diabetes, or even Dr. Gabriel Cousins' work, you know that within 30 days of going on a strictly plant-based diet, so you're only eating plants, and the more raw, the better, and all organic and all seasonal, uh, you see your blood sugar normalized within about a week, and in 30 days, your blood sugar is totally normal. And this is universal. So if you can cure a disease by just changing your diet, is that really a disease? Is something attacking your body? Now, if you don't know the cause, and the cause of type 2 diabetes is typically idiopathic, just like high blood pressure is idiopathic, which means they don't know what causes it. But if you change your lifestyle, you change your physical, chemical, emotional stress, you change the nutrients you're putting in, and it goes away, then is high blood pressure, type 2 diabetes, uh, high cholesterol, are these an adaptive response? Are your body adapting to a toxic, deficient environment? And if you change that environment, you radically alter your physiology. So those are they really diseases or the adaptive physiology? So I want to teach you a new word. I mean, some of because most people that that listen to our stuff, they're highly educated. Well, this was a new word, and I liked it. It's called phylogenetics. Phylogenetics is the study of evolution, diversity, and how the way organisms and species relate to each other. And this is hugely important when you're talking about the body, particularly the gut-brain connection. Now, if we know there's an automatic nervous system, one part keeps us alive under stress, the other part um, regenerates tissue. The fight-or-flight is the stress response, and the rest, digest, and repair is the parasympathetic. Now, when we know that the nerves that supply the gut, over 90% of that nerve communicates from the gut to the brain, not the brain down to the gut, but from the gut to the brain, this is exactly how we're relating to the environment. Now, why am I bringing this up when we're talking about brain health? Well, it's super important because when you look at the gut-brain connection, you alter the gut flora, you alter your gut composition, you're radically altering the brain function. So think of this, 90% of that nerve in the gut is communicating up to the brain. So why is that? Why are, why are we designed that way? Well, first, let's look at craziness, okay? If you look at the CDC or the Alzheimer's Association, you're talking uh, Alzheimer's disease is the, I mean, the leading cause of or type of dementia. Now, we're talking 5.3 million Americans have Alzheimer's disease, sixth leading cause of death. Uh, and this is completely crazy because it's not a normal part of aging. Okay, now, de- dementia in the U.S. costs $604 billion a year. You're talking cancer only costs around $91 billion. Uh, so there's a lot of different things that have modifiable risk factors. Now, when you look at the Center for Disease Control, and these guys are typically pro-pharma and pro-vaccine, uh, listen, listen to what they say. Uh, the modifiable risk factors, 
increase physical activity, have a diet rich in fruits and vegetables, maintaining social engagement, and participating in intellectually stimulating activities. What they say causes and contributes to dementia or dementia-like symptoms, medication, nutritional deficiencies, infection, poisoning, brain tumors, um, and oxy or hypoxia, that, that's low oxygen. So what are these? Why, why do we have this epidemic of dementia? Well, I got to tell you, it's not getting better. It's getting worse because estimates are by 2050, the number of people with dementia will have tripled. So does that mean that when the CDC says medications, nutritional deficiencies, infection, poisoning, all of those modifiable risk factors, that those are increasing? Absolutely. And when we look at this one study, it was at a Surgical Neurology International. They're talking about how there's a massive rise. We're talking um, 300 to 600% okay, of every country having um, neurologic deaths rose relative to controls, uh, particularly in the U.S. The U.S. had about um, uh, 300% more of a rise, a greater rise in neurologic problems. Now, Alzheimer's is now being diagnosed in people uh, in their 40s. So let's look at this. We've got to look at the modifiable risk factors for, for brain health. Now, tonight I'm going to have a, a couple of slides of what a normal brain looks like and what an unhealthy brain looks like. And this could be from trauma, prescription medications, uh, over-the-counter medications, heavy metal poisoning. I just had a, a patient, and I identified some uh, mercury fillings in her mouth. And I said, if these are amalgam fillings, they have to be removed correctly. And she was incredulous. She said, well, why would dental fillings negatively affect my brain? Because she was in for anxiety and stress and depression. Well, let me make it clear. We don't treat anxiety, stress, or depression. Uh, the only thing that a chiropractor does is we identify problems with the autonomic nervous system. Uh, we look at the physical structure. We do an adjustment, relieve pressure off that nervous system, and that restores uh, a healthy communication with the brain to the body. So this is a totally different paradigm where instead of diagnosing a disease, putting you in a category and looking at the appropriate therapies, the chiropractic aspect is to look at your autonomic nervous system. Because what kind of things negatively affect the brain? We're looking at physical trauma, not just to the brain, but to the body. This can alter proprioception or your brain's awareness of what's going on with the body. Medications, over-the-counter, heavy metal poisoning, and on we're, when we're talking heavy metal poisoning, this could be from dental, it could be from vaccinations, it could be environmental, hormonal imbalances. There's a ton of things that disrupt your hormonal communication. They're called endocrine disruptors. Uh, emotional stress, poor sleep patterns, breathing. I mean, all of this stuff are, are altered. Because why? Think of this. If you, you have this automatic nervous system, one part keeps you alive under stress. The other part uh, regenerates tissue. So you've got this constant balance, of the sympathetic-parasympathetic. Uh, when you look at comparative phys physiology, this is an article out of 2014. They state that the autonomic nervous system, composed of the two primary branches, sympathetic and parasympathetic, 
plays a critical role in regulating processes required to maintain physiologic homeostasis and response to acute stressors. Uh, it's often been considered to function rather independently of the adaptive sy systems. Quote, role for this system in regulating, integrating, and orchestrating processes between diverse physiologic systems. I mean, this is vital. So if you understand the autonomic nervous system, you understand that the immune system response to uh, the world this means that if you are in a stress state, and this could be physical, chemical, or emotional stress, you are in that fight-or-flight state. And when we're looking at the brain-gut connection, these people, and when we're talking about people with dementia or altered brain function, you are talking people in a chronically stressed state. Now, they could be physically stressed from an old trauma. They could be chemically stressed from medications or vaccines or toxic environment or toxic food. And they could be emotionally stressed, okay, from from your perception of the environment. And let's look at just pain for one. Did you know that chronic pain of six months duration uh, causes abnormal brain function? I mean, literally loss, neuronal loss, loss of the uh, nerve cells. And this is chronic pain for six months. It reduces cognitive ability, it causes abnormal prefrontal processing. Now, this is an impulse control. Chronic pain of six months duration can shrink the gray matter in the brain by between 5 and 11%. I mean, this is equivalent. Six months of pain can shrink the brain equivalent to 10 to 20 years of normal aging. And, and, and when we talk about the opioid crisis, what are opioids given for? They're given for pain. So that doesn't make any sense at all. If you have a medical system that's drugging people for symptoms without looking at the cause, and you've got a group of doctors in the medical field that are not looking at a structure-based x-ray, they're not looking at a physical misalignment that's putting this person in an autonomic imbalance, they're just coming up with, oh, back pain, neck pain, unknown cause, here's a drug. They're literally causing part of this epidemic. Now, I'm going to give you a couple of examples of physical stress leading to uh, altered um, autonomic function. But realize this, okay, they're understanding that movement or altered position of the body changes brain function. That, that's right. Remember, move well, eat well, think well. I mean, all of these things. If you have incorrect movement, you've had a trauma in the past, this means that your body isn't going to be moving correctly because you have an adaptive process. This means you get altered stimulation up into the brain. Why is this important? Uh, now, I, I know I'm going to get a little technical here, but you've got this area in the brain called the cerebellum. It's at the back. Now, this, it, it's called a little brain, okay, because they used to think it was more for just amp, impulse or motor function. It didn't have a lot of, of higher cognitive functions, uh, but it does. Now, this article was posted March 29, 2017. Listen to the title of this article. Uh, Cerebellum stimulation influences frontal cortex functioning. Uh, delta wave cerebellar stimulation improves schizophrenia-like cognitive problems. That's the title of the article. 
So wait, and you might, if you understand what the cerebellum is, and you understand that any time you move your body, that movement goes right up to that cerebellum, and this can absolutely directly affect the frontal part of the brain. Now, the frontal part of the brain, why is that important? Schizophrenia, but also depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder impulse control issue. You're talking all the higher level functions are in that frontal lobe. And it turns out that the cerebellum controls the frontal lobe. Uh, we're talking the cerebellum is involved in executive function, creativity, attention, planning, emotional regulation, reward-seeking behaviors. I mean, this is everything. Does that mean that if you have a structure or altered input into the brain, you're going to have altered brain function? Absolutely. So what about those people with sedentary lifestyles? Let's say that you have, um, uh, you know, you've had damage or trauma and you can't walk a half hour a day or you have limited mobility. It, does this negatively affect the brain? Absolutely it does. This is why we'll get people in here with wheelchairs, with, with destroyed hips, with destroyed backs, and we'll have them just swing their legs. And that helps with not just balance, but also cognitive function. So um, we're going to go over tonight and talk about the brain function. So we know the structure affects it. But let's look at this enteric nervous system. Now this is the gut-brain now, the gut brain, you're talking 100 million neurons. Now, that's more than either in the spinal cord or the peripheral nervous system. Now, um, it has a mechanical action, okay, where it breaks down food, absorbs nutrients, expels waste. Now, this requires chemical processing. Uh, here's the interesting aspect. The second brain, or the gut brain, uh, controls uh, behavior independent of the brain, now, 90% of the fibers of the visceral nerve, then we're talking the vagus nerve, carry information from the gut to the brain, not the other way around. I want you to understand that this is so, so vital. You have a brain that governs everything. At the base of the brain, right at the base of the skull, there's a group of cranial nerves. There's 12 of them. The 10th cranial nerve is the vagus nerve. Now, this comes right out of this oblong section of the brain called the medulla oblongata. It's right, it extends right through the base of the skull. Now, if there's any problem or challenge with this, you're talking about altered um, function of the entire body. This is why there's a number of chiropractic techniques that just focus in on adjusting this one area. This is also why we check this one area on every patient. But that vagus nerve sends information down to the stomach to secrete stomach acid, to, to, to secrete motilin, which, which moves this food through the intestinal tract, to govern everything. But that's not the majority of the nerve function. The majority of that nerve function, where 90% of it goes from the gut to the brain. So does that mean anything you put in the gut is going to directly alter the brain? Now, why would this be? Why would the gut-brain connection be so vital? What if anything you put in your mouth is coming from your environment and you need instant information from whatever you're putting in your mouth in order to get your brain to survive? So this is the adaptability of the human being to their environment. So this gut-brain axis is 
not just important, it's vital to understand how the human species is able to live in the desert or the Arctic, in every place in between. Because we have this gut-brain connection. Because when you put something in your mouth, it has a direct effect on that brain. Uh, there's a brilliant article out of the Annals of Gastroenterology, 2015. Uh, listen to the title of this article. The Gut-Brain Axis, Interactions Between Enteric Microbiota, Central and Enteric Nervous Systems. That's the title of the article. I know, makes me want to drop the phone and start reading it. Okay, let me read you some highlights. The gut-brain axis consists of bidirectional communication between the central and enteric nervous system, linking emotional and cognitive centers of the brain with the peripheral intestinal functions. End of quote. Wow. Wow. Okay, I mean, just absorb that for a second. We're talking emotional. Does this mean depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder? Absolutely. Cognitive centers, does this mean Alzheimer's, dementia? All of this stuff is, has a major, major effect with the peripheral intestinal functions. Okay, the article goes on to say, evidence of microbiota, gut-brain axis interactions, comes from the association of dysbiosis with the central nervous system disorder. Autism, anxiety, depressive behaviors, and functional gastrointestinal disorders. That means that this is anything that happens to the gut alters the brain. Now, there was a, another article, and this was wild. Okay, they took a rodent or mouse models, and this was published in the Trends of Neuropsychiatry, or Neuroscience, um, 2016. The title of the article is psychobiotics and the manipulation of bacteria, gut-brain signals. Okay, psychobiotics and the manipulation of bacteria and the gut-brain signals. And this was amazing. They, they had these um, mice born in virtually sterile environments. So they had very, very little healthy gut bacteria. And what they found is that it had a profound effect on emotional and cognitive processes. Uh, that it also had an effect on the hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis. So these are all how the body's responding. And think of this, we're only changing the gut flora. We're not doing anything else. So I'm talking altered adrenal function, altered pituitary function, altered endocrine function. We're only changing the gut bacteria. And then it also increased the stress response, increased systemic inflammation, um, had neuronal effects on neurotransmitters, uh, increased um, inflammation. And you're going to see one of the ways to handle uh, brain aspects or to understand what's causing dementia and Alzheimer's, inflammation or systemic inflammation is actually leading. It's one of those causes of this. So what kind of things damage or cause inflammation? Inflammation is directly from damaged tissue. And inflammation is a healing process. So when you talk about people with damaged guts and damaged brains, that's from um, not the inflammatory process, but from the body's response to tissue damage. The article goes on to say, and Alzheimer's disease is affected by changing the gut flora. Uh, Lou Gehrig's disease, or ALS. Autism spectrum disorder is affected, okay? Bacterial infections um, can actually be helped if you change the bacteria in your gut. Diabetes, type 1, type 2, um, hypomonia, 
and post-inflammatory anxiety. I mean, all of these things were changed for the positive by changing the gut bacteria. Uh, so what kind of things, since it, where it's at epidemic proportion, it's going to increase threefold by 2030. Okay, I'll only be 70. <clears throat> so now, what kind of things are negatively affecting the gut? When we know that there's a direct connection between that gut and the brain, what about genetically modified foods? Absolutely. Now, think of this. 80% of your immune system resides in your gut. 90% of the signals from that gut go directly up to the brain. So anything that you have that, that's in your diet that negatively affects the gut negatively affects the brain. Well, genetically modified foods and glyphosates at, have been introduced since 1996, brand new experiment. Um, the, the EPA and FDA totally dropped the ball. They said they're generally recognized as safe without only, with doing only 90-day animal studies. And now we know that it, in, it damages the gut flora. Now, we already know the gut is 80% of the immune system. So do we see a rise in cancer rates? Absolutely, since 1996. Do we see a rise in heart disease, dementia, depression, autism? Yeah, and in fact, since 1996, autism has increased 600%. Now, now are genetically modified foods the only cause of brain damage or autism? No. Is it a contributing factor? Absolutely. I mean, we could go in to the number of vaccines that were given in 1996 was about like 33, and now it's 72. Yeah, I know, uh, more than doubling. Uh, why? Because they took away the liability for the vaccines. Now, let's look at other things. Now, this was an article published in Nature, and title of the article, Extensive Impact of Non-Antibiotic Drugs on Human Gut Bacteria. Uh, a few commonly non-antibiotic drugs have been associated with changes in the gut microbiome uh, to the extent this phenomenon is unknown. Now, what type of, of um, medications affect the microbiome? You're talking blood pressure. You're talking cholesterol drugs. And in fact, there was a beautiful article, um, March 28, 2018, by Justin Smith. Statins damage gut microbiome and contribute to antibiotic resistance. Uh, Mind-boggling. Uh, the article from Frontier Psychiatry, Vagus nerve as modulator of the gut-brain axis in psychiatric and inflammatory disorders. They're saying that the vagus nerve, okay, which is the main component of the parasympathetic nervous system, controls mood, immune system response, digestion, heart rate. Uh, it establishes one of the connections between the brain and the gastrointestinal tract, and it sends information about the state of the inner organs um, to the brain via these sensory inputs. And they're saying again in this article, depression, post-traumatic stress disorder, inflammatory bowel disease, the brainstem plays crucial roles in major psychiatric conditions, mood and anxiety disorders. So when a patient comes in our office and they have depression and anxiety and stress and they're taking multiple selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, and I'm talking like Prozac, Wilbutrin, Depakote. Now, when you look at these drugs, they have suicidal warnings on them. Now, it it's not criminal because these doctors are doing what's called the standards of care. 
But if you have somebody understanding that there is a direct gut-brain connection, that this could be a movement deficiency, it could be a gut deficiency, it could be a nutrient deficiency, there's, there's a number of different um, either toxic components or uh, physical components that can contribute to anxiety and stress. Why are not these psychiatrists directly equating, doing a stool sample, a fecal occult blood test? Let's check the gut microbiome. Uh, Let's look at their physical aspect. Let's do a complete set of structural x-rays. Let's find out how many bowel movements these people get. I'll tell you one thing right now. A normal, healthy body takes two to three bowel movements a day. People under stress have one a day if they're lucky. So that means they're in a sympathetic dominant state. So it can't work. If you look at, at um, in Parkinson's disease, they talk about increased intestinal permeability. That's a leaky gut. In Parkinson's? Absolutely. So what kind of things cause a leaky gut? Well, we know antibiotics. We know glyphosates. We know vaccines. That's right. From molecular pathology in April 2002, they say that the, well, they only check the MMR. They're not checking all 72 doses of 17 different vaccines that we're exposing our population 18 years old and under to. They're not looking at every different one, and they're not looking at the whole slew of them. They just looked at the MMR, and they said it causes ileoconic lymphonodular hyperplasia. And this is a form of inflammatory bowel disease. Remember, we're talking about inflammation negatively affecting the the brain. Well, this is inflammation from tissue damage. So, uh, you know, there's other components in the food. There's other components in the vaccines. I mean, aluminum, in the Journal of Current Medical Chemistry, we know that aluminum carries a form of risk of autoimmunity, long-term brain inflammation, and associated neurologic complications. That's right. The aluminum that's in the flu shot, the aluminum that's in all the vaccines, the, um, the, the aluminum that's in the flu shot that people are forced to get if you work in the medical field. I'd, it's, it's mind-boggling. So when we look at this, we've got medications that cause it, drugs that cause it, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, Tylenol PM. So I encourage you to check out the um, webpage sharpagain.org. And they say there's seven different areas that can cause memory loss and dementia, but they can be reversed. What's the number one? Mercury and heavy metal poisonings. And you might know that the flu shot is one of the few that still has the thermosol in it. But all the other shots have other heavy metals like aluminum. Prescription medications, they say. So if you are taking a prescription drug, find out why you're taking it, fix the cause. And uh, if your doctor doesn't understand that there is a cause for this stuff, change doctors until you find one that's sharp enough to fix you. Stress, stagnation, and inactivity. Again, this is vital. When you look at cerebellar function, when you realize that you get more stimulation from actual movement, this means walking a half hour a day with your arms swinging, Uh, thyroid and other hormonal imbalances, I would say that as endocrine disruptors. Then they go in, 
and look at inflammation. So this is really tissue damage. So this really means um, anything that causes tissue damage. So this means no glyphosates, uh, no toxic bread products, no commercially produced wheat products, uh, no vaccines, okay, medications. All of these things can damage tissue. Then they go on to state artificial food colors, flavors, and sweeteners. Of course, a lot of these have endocrine disruptors and can damage tissue. And then nutritional imbalances and deficiencies. Absolutely. I mean, they are completely right on. That's sharpagain.org. I would add and change a couple of things. I would say for sure get your nervous system checked. Uh, stop neurotoxins in vaccines, chemicals, and foods. Uh, you may have to go gluten-free and dairy-free in order to feel, heal the gut. You have to find an appropriate doctor to work with to get your body healthy, not a doctor that gives you a drug, an herb, or a, a therapy to cover up a symptom, but one that looks at the actual um, basis of how your body is. You may have to do juicing and blending. This pre-digests the nutrients. You're going to go have to go on an organic, plant-based, seasonal diet. You have to get deep sleep every night, so check out our sleep videos. And you have to reprogram your emotional state. Now, there's a lot of ways to do that. There's neuro-linguistic programming. There's emotional freedom technique. Um, it, it seems too simple that when we say, to reverse this process, you've got to get movement. You've got to get healthy. And you get healthy social interactions. This means just by moving a little bit a day. And we'll see the changes in people in a very short amount of time. We're going to have all of this information. It's going to be put live on Facebook, live on YouTube tonight. Just uh, be confident in your body. Realize that this isn't an unknown cause. It's a toxic, deficient uh, result. Um, you can regenerate the neurons. You can regenerate connections. Your body is made in the image and likeness of God. This is not hereditary. It's not genetic. You can take charge of your life. This is Dr. John Bergman. God bless you, and I love you. I am your health advocate, and you will get healthy. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.